0: Welcome to Frictionless Marketing, an exploration of how modern marketers are building their brands, reaching their audiences, and thriving in this post-advertising world. Nick Taylor from Lippy Taylor here. Really excited to announce that Lippy Taylor is launching a new thought leadership series in tandem with Holmes Reports Influence 100. First of all, for those who may not know, the Influence 100 is the Holmes Reports annual compilation of the most influential in-house communicators around the world. The chief communications officers and chief marketing officers who have the most clout in terms of their personal voice, the status of the companies they work for, and the PR agency hiring decisions that they make. Lippy Taylor's series within the Influence 100 is called Digital Reductionism, How Brands Are Moving Past Transformation and Thriving in the New Era. The idea behind Digital Reductionism is based on the fact that nowadays, we're noticing that a lot of agencies are still offering services that claim to help brands with transformation. These are service offerings that help brands navigate these new waters. But nowadays, these waters are far from new. Digital and social marketing and commerce has reached such a near universal ubiquity, it's to the point where the term digital marketing is even sounding redundant, since the majority of marketing is, in fact, already digital. So the question we're asking ourselves is, how long are we going to accept the idea that our industry is transforming? Well, in digital reductionism, we're interviewing brand leaders who have already moved beyond the digital renaissance, so to speak. They know the world has already changed, and they've figured out new ways of thriving within it. These are the people we'll be speaking to. Through these conversations, we'll synthesize their key learnings not about transformation, evolution, or the many challenges faced by brands as they adopt to a new digital world, but about how they are thriving now in a digital enlightenment which they consider to be self-evident. The first person we're speaking to is Dan Tarman, Chief Communications Officer at eBay. eBay is a fascinating company and a great example of a brand who has very strong consistency with their internal and external communication strategy and how it always ladders back up to the brand itself. Their company is driven by a very strong sense of purpose that is based entirely on democratizing commerce through technology. They've always been a brand that's known to champion the entrepreneur and that's something that they've never even remotely moved away from. And it's really fascinating to explore how they are able to hang on to this idea and how it is something that is entirely consistent throughout all of their communication strategies. So on our end, The interview is going to be conducted by Lippy Taylor president Paul Dyer, and we get into a lot of great stuff in this interview, most notably how to ensure that your brand's external and internal communications are constantly laddering back up to the equity of the brand itself. We had a lot of fun with this interview. We hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, here's Dan Tarman.
1: We're here today kicking off the digital reductionism series for the Holmes Report with Dan Tarman, who is the Chief Communications Officer at eBay, where he's been for the last little more than three years. Uh, this is Paul Dyer from Lippy taylor and I'm going to be fielding some questions to Dan and really just looking for his insights around what it means to be a successful communications leader and to build a successful communications function in the modern sort of digitally defined uh, marketplace. Hi, Dan. Good to see you. Hey, how are you? Yeah, doing well, thanks. So, um, let's go ahead and, and jump right into something that's specific to your business, and something that's specific to um, some things you've been quoted on historically. Um, and then we'll kind of you know see where the conversation takes us. But to start with, um, you've been very outspoken about the idea of empathy in the context of your communication strategy. Can you elaborate on that concept and talk about how you're really putting that into practice with your marketing communications efforts at eBay?
2: Sure. First, um, I really appreciate uh, that you invited me to have this conversation with you. Uh, and I hope I have something constructive to add for uh, for those that are reading this or listening to it. Um, so when I, um, I talked to Arun about this in Davos earlier this year. I think this is where this stems from. <clears throat> and uh, when I talk about empathy, it's not um, in a feel-good kind of way. It's more really talking about being authentic, number one, in how you communicate as a company and understanding who your audiences are and where they're at. Right. That's, that is that is the definition of empathy, is understanding the other person um, and relating to them Um based on your own experience. Um, And so when we talk about that in that way, it's really meant to say being effective with what and how we communicate in a manner that is most likely to create engagement.
1: Okay, that's great. So I guess, is there anything from the way that you've seen that put into practice at eBay that you feel like maybe other brands could learn from?
2: Well, you know, I I don't know about what other brands might or might not be able to learn from us. I do know that, um, you know, I think one of the things about eBay that um, makes the brand as um, compelling and vibrant as it is, is that we've always been very true to who we are. Uh, We don't try to be something we're not, and we tend to be a very authentic culture. Uh, And so what you... What you see um, as a consumer of eBay or what you see from our communications is very consistent with what you would see and experience if you were inside the company. And so there's no incongruity uh, between, you know, our walk and our talk, so to speak. Um, and I think that, that um, not every company can can um, can credibly say that. And so I, I think that's beneficial for us um and, and that's just how we're wired in terms of not only our communications, but our entire business strategy and culture.
1: It's interesting to hear that. Um, one of the things that I've heard brought up frequently by um, CCOs in various industries is that there can be a disconnect between the communications function and other members of the executive team it seems like perhaps you you know have a seat at the table in a different way, or is there some something that has enabled your communications function to be that true to life?
2: So, again, I think it, it all goes back to the culture of the company, for starters. Uh, I think in addition to that, it's clearly beneficial uh, as the lead communications person in the company to be a member of the executive team, to report to the CEO, and... Um, you know, to my office is adjacent to our CEO's office. Um, so that's helpful. I also think for us, it's, um, it's helpful that, you know, we're a very large, iconic global brand. Um, and we're a, a large company, we're a large cap company with a market cap of about $35 billion and with $10 billion a year or so of revenue and 15,000 employees. But um, we're not particularly corporate number one. And um, we're pretty flat. And so you you don't get layered a lot uh, at eBay. And in many ways, it it operates like a smaller company. Um, And so I think that 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 engenders some of that authenticity as well.
1: I think you might be making the CCOs listening to this very jealous right now. Um, So you mentioned eBay is an iconic brand, and obviously a very large established player Um, eBay was originally a digital disruptor, right, disrupting the retail marketplace. And now you are this major, established, iconic brand, and you're battling against new disruptors. So how do you sort of maintain your disruptor mentality, or do you not need to anymore?
2: So um, you must. Uh, That's an existential requirement in this environment. Um, eBay was a pioneer and continues to be a pioneer. Um, And I think. You know, you, you need to think in terms of um, the broader environment. So in terms of e-commerce, we don't even talk about e-commerce anymore. We talk about commerce. Um, we have some very large competitors who shall remain nameless. Um, and we have to be very mindful of um, how to compete in a space where there's large competitors and how to differentiate ourselves <clears throat> relative to those companies uh, because we're not trying to be a challenger to those companies. We're trying to be the best eBay we can and to be both relevant and to differentiate ourselves in a broad commerce environment. And then at the same time, you have the continual emergence of um, more niche players, whether they're startups or smaller businesses that might be um, more specialized vertically in categories. Um, and so I think for us, the, um, the operating model is perpetual disruption, number one, uh, and we were talking about this before we turned on the recorder here. You know, it's, it's very similar, I think, to Moore's Law, where the the, um, the pace of change and innovation has only accelerated. And so there's there's no time to kind of rest back on your heels ever. Um, I think that leads to better outcomes for consumers because every company is in a continual race to innovate and to disrupt in a way that delivers value ultimately to consumers. Um, And so that's, you know, that's the world in which we live now for every company.
1: I think that's really, really interesting to hear. And you you touched on a number of things in there. You touched on um, perpetual disruption, innovation, how that values or how that benefits consumers. But you also said something early in your response that was being the best eBay. And, um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you do to be the best eBay. And these are things like your eBay retail revival, the eBay foundation, eBay for charity, some cause related platforms, um, that align with your sort of broader business goal of empowering entrepreneurs, um, those feel very aligned with your core business as opposed to being sort of a separate charitable effort sitting off somewhere else. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. How did that come to pass and what advice would you give to other brands?
2: so again i i think that um ebay is is not alone but is somewhat unique relative to perhaps other companies and other industries uh in terms of purpose you know i think um, it's de rigueur these days for companies to talk about purpose and being purpose driven Um, we're very fortunate that our whole company is centered on purpose um you know purpose, purpose with a capital p and so our, our purpose is to create economic empowerment and opportunity for all. Um, and it's not something that we cooked up in the comms department. It was the founding principle for the company. So 23 years ago, uh, Pierre Omidyar, uh who was an immigrant from Iran, um, this is in you know, 1995, um, decided to test a theory that you could trust a stranger on the internet and sell something to them. And so he put up for sale a broken laser pointer, and much to his surprise, a fellow named Mark Fraser in Sea Salt Island, Canada, was a collector of broken laser pointers, and he bought it from him. And it proved to him the premise that you could trust somebody through the internet as a platform for commerce, um, and it led him to this notion that you could form small businesses exclusively leveraging the internet as a platform For commerce and enable those businesses scale to reach customers anywhere and not be constrained by geography, and so that's the organizing principle for the business. Today, we have in the U.S. alone, we have six million sellers and businesses and entrepreneurs that sell on eBay, Um, and those could be individuals who sell part time, a college student, a single mom, or a retiree, uh, or they can be you know, multi-million dollar a year revenue businesses. Um, and amongst those that are businesses, they employ almost 700,000 people in the U.S. And so that's, again, that is the business. Purpose is the business at eBay. And so when we talk about um, finding ways to further harness our purpose um, to contribute even more so to society and to empower uh, small business, it's a pretty close connection to, to get from that to some of the activities That we're doing, and I'm more than happy to go into more detail about that. But it's not—it's not like the CSR program at eBay. The CSR program is the program at eBay. Um, And as someone who's worked in a variety of industries, you know, um, it's—it's—it's a unique privilege to be able to be in a company where that is the business, um, because we authentically—you know—we do good things for the world.
1: Well, it's interesting what you just said there. The CSR program is the program. I mean, that really, that's the whole point in this shift from CSR to purpose, right? And the other thing that's interesting is you keep bringing us back to this has been core to eBay since the beginning. Um, And yet, just a minute ago, you told us that you have to constantly disrupt yourselves. right. So how do you walk that line from a communication standpoint of being true to the same core every day, and yet, you know, constantly reinventing.
2: So um, the two are not in any way at conflict with each other. So if the core is economic empowerment of small businesses and entrepreneurs, the innovation and the disruption is the platform, right? So how do we help those small businesses literally plug into eBay um, and utilize technology to grow their businesses? And so the disruption could be through... um, through the addition of different vertical um, business areas or um, more likely for us it could be the innovation of technology and leveraging and harnessing technology for the benefit of those businesses that are on the platform. So it's things like artificial intelligence and using artificial intelligence to make our platform more modern and more shoppable and more easily navigable for shoppers. We have over a billion items listed for sale on eBay. And in the past, one of the challenges of eBay was for many consumers was a perception that it was very hard to navigate um, and that it was um, not organized well. So we're leveraging artificial intelligence to catalog all of the products on eBay to make eBay a more product based shopping experience versus an item based shopping experience. So that's one example. Ultimately, that benefits the sellers on the platform because it draws more consumers in. Uh, so it's it's things like that. Um, it's things like leveraging image search, right? So looking at the opportunities for, quote-unquote, new technologies and um, utilizing them as tools to, again, enable shopping. So eBay has become a leader in using image search, image recognition, Um, to be able to shop for items on eBay. So you can take a picture of an item. I could take a picture of a bottle that's on the table here, and through the eBay app, I can shop for a similar item. Um, And that's very, very common now for items like fashion. So a lot of people will, will shop the look, in fashion. They'll say, hey, I I really like those shoes. I'd love to find a pair of shoes like that. So using our image search technology, which leverages artificial intelligence, you can take a picture of your shoes. I could do a a visual search through that on eBay and find similar shoes in the right size They might not be the exact same shoes, but they would be inspired by the look of your shoes, as an example again. Um, So those are examples of leveraging technology and disrupting disruptive kinds of technologies for the benefit of the businesses that are on the platform.
1: So what's, again, very interesting there is, you know, you keep taking it back to the close integration between communications and, and the core business. And some of these technologies like AI, you know, like visual search and computer vision are being talked about, you know, in PR and communications conferences as technologies that, PR practitioners should be doing more with, but you seem to be saying that they really should be embedded in the business, and you're telling the story of them. Is there, is there a place where you see AI or some of these more kind of cutting-edge technologies really being useful specifically for the PR practitioners?
2: I have not yet seen a, um, a viable use case at, at, of any uh, order of magnitude, um, maybe I'm just ignorant to it because I know it's a buzzy thing in the industry. Uh, and again, not every business is necessarily going to use image search, um, but most businesses need to understand the, you know, the implications of things like artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, whether they are digitally native businesses or you know, businesses with significant um, technological dimensions to them. And so, again, for us... You know, what we do in eBay comms is look at what's happening on our product or our platform um, through things like ML and AI and and tell the stories about those things in a way that isn't totally geeked out but is relevant to a consumer. You know, so for us, ultimately, we always ask ourselves, why would a consumer care? And is there a way we can characterize this in a way that adds to the consumer value proposition and will make someone more likely to shop on eBay.
1: That's great. And you seem to be um, really circling this issue, but I I just want to put a finer point on it then is, you know, this, we've heard um, people say that the term digital marketing is redundant today. Um, How do you feel about that? And are there any other terms or expressions or theories you think that as an industry, maybe we just overuse and should move away from?
2: Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, being based in Silicon Valley now for the last three years, it does seem like that's a, you know, for for where I sit, for where we sit, that seems like a term that's outlived its useful life um, because it is redundant, as you said. Um, You know, since our whole business is digital, it's the only kind of marketing we would know. That doesn't mean that we don't do out-of-home Advertising and some print type of, of work as well. But you know, we, we start and end with a, you know, a digital world because we're a digital business. Um, and, of course, communications only plays one role in a fairly sophisticated system of marketing and stakeholder engagement. You know, a lot of the activity that happens through our platform, meaning a lot of the buying behavior, happens through search. Uh, And very sophisticated approaches to engaging consumers uh, that might be searching for a specific product or a category of products, Um, and so comms is is one of the levers, but by no means the only lever when it comes to consumer behavior. Uh, But certainly, when if you just isolate comms and you kind of ask the question you did about digital, everything we do to end end to end is you know lives in the digital world um, in some manner, shape, or form.
1: So you mentioned being a Silicon Valley-based company, a digital native business. Um, Silicon Valley has had a, uh, a complicated track record with women historically, and yet eBay has been really in many ways you know, highly regarded and was recently uh, mentioned by Forbes as one of the best employers for women. So what do you think are some of the cultural keys for creating a company that is woman-friendly?
2: So um – Fundamentally, one of our core values has always been diversity, um, and that speaks to a few different things. First, there's the diversity of our platform. So our platform is open to all, right? And in part because often when you're buying or selling something on eBay, it's to or from a stranger, right? So anybody with the will to succeed and an internet connection can be a you know a stakeholder on eBay, and that was one of the things that Pierre said early on when he thought about founding the company. Um, and one of Pierre's um, principal ethos is is about diversity. So again, it goes back to the founding and the heritage of the company. Um, as well, uh, one of our greatest value propositions to consumers is the diversity and the breadth of things you can buy on eBay. Right? It's the world cata- world's catalog of things. And so with a billion items for sale, you can pretty much find anything in the world that suits your passions or hobbies on eBay. Uh, So that speaks directly to the platform. Uh, And that informs the culture. It's always been an extraordinarily open culture. Um, It's a very, um, as I said earlier, it's a very authentic place. Um, Our employees feel very strongly about the um, the principles of diversity and openness and, um, and, diver- and diversity of, of every manner leading to cognitive diversity. So the diversity of ideas, because ultimately that's what, we're, that's what we're aiming for. Um, and at the end of the day, for us, a lot of things come down to you know, fairness, right? And so if you go back to our founding principle of economic opportunity for all, that speaks to equality. Um, and it comes from the bottom up at eBay and the top down.
1: That's that's great. And, you know, again, you've you've come back to the core of the business, the founding principle of the business, the heritage of the business. If we I just have to ask, if we rewind, early 2015, Dan Tarman walks into eBay for the very first time. Was this all apparent and written down in a document for you to inherit? Or did you have to go through a process to really understand that this was the core of the business, that this heritage was there? So,
2: um I'll share a, a somewhat comical and self-effacing anecdote. Uh, so before I worked at eBay, I worked at Pimco, which is a pretty buttoned-up um, investment management firm. And uh, I showed up at my first interview wearing my blue Armani suit and my Thomas Pink shirt with French cuffs. Um, and I had a full day of interviews. went great. felt really good about it. And um, I got the feedback from the headhunter who said, hey, Dan, you did great. Um, just one piece of feedback, um, the way you were dressed, don't ever do that again there. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and today I'm in a pair of high tops and jeans, and I put on a blazer because I didn't know if this was an audio interview or a video interview. And when I walked into the office this morning, people were wondering why I was in a blazer. <laughs> and so it's very apparent as soon as you get here. Um, and I was uh, really, really happy to shed my – my Armani suits and Thomas Pink shirts and get back to the real me. And so it's, it's pretty obvious the minute you get to eBay. It's a very friendly, very collaborative, very open place. It is by far the friendliest work environment I have ever been in. Um, it's sharply competitive and we're, we're fierce about um, wanting to deliver for our customers. But um, it's a place where you, know, you can't be a jerk around here and, and succeed.
1: Friendliness—it's such an underused word in business. That's great. Um, if we rewind a little bit, you were talking about perpetual disruption and um, a lot of technologies that, for for many people's businesses, are still you know in the future. Um, when you think about innovation, and in particular in the communications function, how important is it for eBay to be the first? quote-unquote, to try new approaches, um, to experiment with maybe unproven technologies or approaches, um, maybe versus or while also remaining ROI-focused?
2: So it's while, it's and, not or, or versus. Uh, It's incredibly important. You can't be disruptive and be an innovator if all you're doing is tending to your core business and making incremental changes. Um, And that's something that my boss... Devin Wenig, our CEO, feels very strongly about. Uh, and to that point, we have an entire group uh, that we call N uh, that is 100% dedicated to innovation at the edge. Uh, and they experiment with things that we know will fail, um, uh, some of which will succeed as well, but we experiment with things to understand the implications of the, those things and how they um, can be integrated into the core. So things like um, Voice-related um, chat using chatbots. So we launched a chatbot, a shopping chatbot called Shopbot, that we launched on Facebook Messenger almost two years ago. Um, the image search work that we're doing as well, uh, and other things um, that that are still in you know in the innovation shop and not ready to be talked about. Um, but you have to do that, and we invest significant resources um, in in that pursuit globally, um, and that's. You know, that's just integral to being a successful um, business in this environment.
1: And it sounds like it comes with the willingness that, uh, to accept that some things will fail. Yeah, I mean,
2: I, you know, I think no, no successful technology company um, has, has not got, I think, wired into them this notion that experimentation and failure is uh, kind of a price of admission.
1: So when we think about innovation and we think about maybe what's happening within N or just things that you've got your mind on, you know, around the industry, what are some of the trends, uh, communications, you know, oriented trends um, that are most exciting to you or that you're, you know, hoping to experiment more with?
2: Well, again, I I don't know that I would claim for us to be any more innovative or ahead of the curve than anybody else, but I I think that... um, you know, the, um, a few things that come to my mind include comms shops being originators of content and publishing content and going direct to stakeholders with their content. And so we, we're fortunate in, in my team that we have um, within our area of responsibility um, domain responsibility for all of our corporate social channels uh, and that we leverage our, our corporate site as a, pl- as a publishing platform. Uh, and that's through multimedia, a lot of video, and you know and digital print as well. And in my mind, that's been um, something that's been happening as a trend you know for 10 years or so. And I think the companies that have really st- strong uh, content creation at the center of their wheel, so to speak, um, are more effective in terms of their messaging and message penetration and being able to control their message versus those that are perhaps in a more traditional media relations-centric mode. Uh, you know, we, we think in a, a broader spectrum, of, you know, where content is king or queen, and then we think of distribution channels, including our own channels. It's PISO, right, paid, earned, social-owned. Um, again, I, I don't think that that's any, any great revelation for, uh, for any, anybody out there, but that's, that's how we think of the world.
1: It's interesting to hear you. It sounds like a strong commitment to, I guess, what I've heard referred to as the brand as publisher model. And um, so thought leadership is typically, you know, a big component of that. So I'm curious, you know, how you sort of, from an editorial standpoint, as a a brand that thinks like a publisher, a content creator, um, you know, how do you balance futurism sort of predicting the future and where things are going whether it's in retail or technology or you know whatever else versus being really relevant today
2: again i think it's an and not an either or Um, we talk a lot about the future of shopping and having a a significant voice and point of view about the future of shopping uh, informed by the scale and the magnitude of our platform the data this extraordinary depth of data uh, that we have, um, and, and our reach. And so um, that's how we organize our thinking in terms of commerce. We also uh, we, we use our channels um, to talk a lot about where we see technology going. Um, sometimes it's directly related to um, commerce, sometimes it's not. But a, a number of our, um, our folks in our you know, tech groups, our engineers and others, Uh, publish regularly so we have a tech blog uh, that we publish on Uh, often it's those are um, content pieces that are targeted more you know to a more narrow audience of other of like-minded engineers and and tech folks Um, sometimes they're more uh, targeted to you know a broader mainstream audience so as an example um, we go to davos every year and uh, our ceo when we're at davos Almost always publishes something ahead of time uh, and it's, it's always talking about what's happening in technology that has societal implications um, and implications for commerce and some of those things might be around the corner um, some of those things might be kind of more in the near term uh, and so you know we, we think in terms of that that span from the immediate to uh, things that are off in the distance but are likely to occur
1: it's interesting to hear you talk about the role in society. It feels very clearly connected to the purpose, you know, with, with the business. And um, it's inspiring to hear that you guys think like that. You also mentioned um, the massive troves of data right that that you sit on and obviously there's a lot of talk in our industry about data and how to harness data and and those sorts of things Um, and in many cases it's being used to make business decisions but not necessarily to inspire communications Um, so I'm curious is that something is is that something that you feel like you're doing from a communication standpoint and if so maybe let's talk a little bit about some of the things you've learned for how you know how do you make that real
2: So we have uh, an embarrassment of riches in terms of data, and we're very fortunate that we're able to tap into that data for storytelling. And so, you know, I'll give a few examples that are hopefully responsive to what you asked. Um, We often see um, trends by what people are searching for on eBay or what they're buying, and we can... um, we can use data visualization to tell those stories, or we can just translate what we're seeing into something that we put in writing. Um, so, as an example, you know, we sell twenty thousand vehicles a week on a mobile app, and we're able. You know, we we know what kinds of vehicles. I, so I get a report every day that I can show you when we shut this off that shows the like, the fifty most expensive things that were bought on eBay yesterday. Um, it's often a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, a very expensive diamond, et cetera. And so we have this infinite wealth of almost real-time data that we can tell stories around, and we do that, and it's it's amazing. And so around the holiday time, we can look by let's just talk about the United States. I can look by state and what toys or gifts are trending st- at a state-by-state level. Um, I can tell what time of day people are more likely to be shopping than not. And so I can cut data any which way you want, and we can go to our teams, our analytics teams and make a request of what kind of data we're looking for and often get access to that data to inform our storytelling in a way that might be seasonally relevant, might be topically relevant. Um, often, you know, you kind of raised your eyebrow when I you know, said some of the, you know, the most expensive items are the cars, the, the velocity of vehicles. You know, they're often kind of eye-popping, holy cow, that's cool stuff. Um, And we're all trying to deliver messaging out there that cuts through. And so we look for that. holy cow, that's cool kind of data um, all the time. We also own StubHub. So often we have really cool data about StubHub. Like, for instance, at the Super Bowl, the number of tickets that were purchased for the Super Bowl on StubHub, it's an eye-popping, holy cow number, you know, Tens of thousands of tickets at that Super Bowl were bought on StubHub. It's kind of interesting. And, of course, for us that's important because it would suggest to a consumer that if you want to get a ticket for a must-see event, StubHub would be the first place you go. Um, and so we, we leverage that stuff all the time. And it's, um, we're very fortunate that we're a data-centric um, uh, business.
1: So do you have that capability embedded in your function where there's analysts and, and data scientists reporting to you or is it a, a point of integration?
2: It's a point of integration. What I have is a content team. Right. So the content team, you know, we'll have an editorial calendar and we'll we'll plan out in advance what we want to do Again, like you think of the holiday. Holidays, obviously the biggest shopping season. And so how do we use, we call them velocity stats. How do we use velocity data of the velocity of things that are selling on eBay or being searched for on eBay um, to tell our story to make our message relevant for consumers at that point in time?
1: That's That's great. So – What about when you think of um, other brands, other companies, um, other big brands, um, or other emerging brands that you think are doing a great job of telling their story um, in this sort of digitally defined communications landscape? Who do you admire? You know, I admire a
2: lot of companies. Um, I guess, you know, a a digital company that's that's gone through Uh, major transformation and become a category disruptor that you you can't ignore would be netflix right netflix going from being a, a dvd delivery service right to you know having a bigger market cap than disney um it's extraordinary um and the the way that they've told their story um you know through content i think is is really remarkable and um something to behold uh and respected um, so that, you know, that's one example. Um, and then, you know, there, there are plenty of examples of, um, of, of other great companies that are not born in the digital space, but that have leveraged communications. Um, Starbucks would, you know, comes to mind, uh, particularly for how they've been bold in terms of addressing challenging issues, um, and being very purpose-driven. So, you know, two examples, there's myriad others.
1: Those are, those are great examples. Um, Netflix, you know, recently was the subject of a really um, a great book called Powerful by their you know, former head of HR. Um, talked a lot about the role of uh, culture and internal communications in their overall business success. Um, how is it that you're, you know, sort of integrating between you've got your, your purpose? It feels like it's very clear and sort of um, part of the culture at eBay. And you have the storytelling mechanism that, that you're doing externally. Are you also telling these sorts of stories internally? How are you How are you connecting with your employees?
2: So, um, first, we work very closely, hand in hand, with our HR partners, our people partners, and um, it's a you know I think that's an essential relationship uh, between Comms and and the people function. Um, you know, as I said earlier, our, our culture is very authentic. A lot of people come to work at eBay because it is a purpose driven business. And um, yeah, I'll give a a couple of examples of how we activate purpose within the business. We um, we've been working with Kiva over the last couple years for a micro lending program, and one of the things that we did about a year and a half ago was we gave each one of our employees a twenty five dollar credit to make a loan to a Kiva borrower of of their choice, and uh, we announced it. I announced it at an all hands meeting and we had um, participation by about ten thousand out of our fifteen thousand employees and and people were really energized by it and interestingly one of the things that happened organically was that groups of employees would pool their twenty five dollar credits, so they would come together and look at a a spectrum of potential kiva borrowers and almost create an ad hoc committee and so they would pool their money and give a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars instead of the twenty five and when you're talking about you know, lending to businesses that are in emerging um, markets. In particular, $100 to $200 actually could be, you know, the lifeblood br- life of the business. And so people were very energized that we were, emp- we were literally putting our money where our mouth was and empowering um, all of these businesses, thousands and thousands of businesses, as it turns out. And we've done several rounds of this with Kiva. Um, we also launched uh, earlier this year a program, that we call the, Eta- the eBay Retail Revival Project, uh, where we've um, said to ourselves, we empower small businesses and entrepreneurs. Is there a way that we can help communities that are struggling, um, that have not benefited from technology, that have um, struggling small business and retail corridors? Um, can we somehow harness, help them harness our platform and help them? And so we launched uh, the first eBay retail revival city in Akron, Ohio uh, earlier this year. And we've brought about 150 or so businesses from Akron onto our platform uh, and helping them sell. And one of the things that we've done is provide uh, mentorship to those businesses. And so we have uh, teams of customer service personnel that are literally like a white glove concierge for them. But interestingly, when I, um, I also announced, this an, at an all-hands uh, months back, and not surprisingly, there's a lot of people that work at eBay in the US that are from Ohio. Uh, and not only people from Ohio, but particularly the folks from Ohio uh, were really excited about this. And I had probably several hundred um, emails from folks asking, how can I help? Right? And so when we, when we talk about the things internally that we're doing externally, it's very motivating. Um, next week, um, probably past the time when this will be published or heard, but we're announcing our second eBay retail revival city next week on August 10th. Um, it'll be another Midwestern U.S. city. Uh, and our ambition is to have, you know, you know, every six months or so to roll out a new one of these. Uh, and our employees are extraordinarily uh, motivated by it because it, it says to them that, you know, that we're really doing something. And, um, you know, it resonates for, for obvious reasons.
1: So you just said there that your employees really um, respond, you know, when you talk about the things you're doing. And you mentioned earlier, you know, walking the talk. And I keep trying to get you to talk about things that you're communicating about, and you keep going back to things you're doing, right? So how how does that actually work on the inside? Is the communications function in a position to do these things independently, or is it a function of getting the business units all rallied together and how do you actually make this happen?
2: So it's a good question. And again, I I feel very fortunate that we have a fairly broad mandate in my team. So for instance, the eBay Retail Revival Project, um, we lead that. That's a comms-led program. Uh, We lead it in partnership with our um, colleagues in government relations, our colleagues in our customer service organization, our colleagues in our North American business unit, and our tech colleagues as well. We're the convener of it, um, and uh, and so it's it's awesome that we're in a position to do that. Kiva, similarly, you know, we we've driven. My team um, has driven that activity. You know, interestingly, like on the retail revival program, um, one of the things that's been very interesting is that we've up until um, now we've done no proactive PR or comms around it. Uh, and, in fact, I specifically instructed my team when we were about to launch it not to do anything, just to let's, let's get the program right. And the interesting thing about it is that organically there's been scores of articles that have cr- been created. So if you Google eBay Akron, um, you'll see literally scores of articles about it. We've had nothing to do with any of them. And so um, it's great to create the facts uh, instead of just being in a position of communicating the facts. Now we're at a point with that program we're about to turn up the dial or flip the switch uh, and do some affirmative um, con- consumer communications starting in a couple of weeks, which we're, we're stoked about. Um, but it's, it's great to not, not just be the people at the, kind of at the end that are being told to go communicate something, but to be the strategic drivers or to at least play, in some respects, a, a significant strategic contributing role uh, in the programs
1: themselves. That's great. A, a client of mine used to, uh, a very quotable client of mine used to always say, if you want people to remark about you, you have to be remarkable. right?" And it sounds like you're doing a lot of remarkable things. Um, I think it probably also sounds to our listeners like everything you do is a success, Right. So what is something that you are struggling with, something that maybe it's a new technology or a new approach where you're going, you know, we've, we've tried, we just don't have this one nailed yet?
2: So um, by no means uh, should anybody construe that to be the case, that everything that we're doing is a success. You know, we're very clear-eyed about our challenges. So, you know, one of the top global brands in the world, great business at scale, hugely profitable, Um, growing. At the same time, you know, our biggest challenge is that eBay was a pioneering internet company. uh, And in the relatively short history of the internet, you know, there's there's not a lot of examples of companies that began in the mid-90s that continue to have the same level of salience with consumers. And so for us, our biggest challenge is we have 175 million consumers on our platform, our biggest challenge is how do we get the next 175 million consumers uh... goes back to your earlier question about how do you disrupt and innovate in a tough neighborhood so to speak um, and so we're we're under no illusions of the challenges that we have to re-energize our brand and to also address some of the perceptions the legacy perceptions of ebay that are not consistent with the current reality that ebay is uh, an auction site that eBay sells used, you know, primarily used stuff, that it's like a flea market. Uh, and so those are, um, those are stubborn issues. And we're, you know, my team and I are, are directly engaged in addressing those strategically from a messaging standpoint. We play a pretty significant role in the, brand, the broader brand positioning of the company. Um, and so those are long-term stubborn issues that, um, that you know, we haven't fully succeeded on. And that we know we have a lot more work to do on.
1: So as you think about how you're going to go after that next 175 million consumers, what are some of the, the capabilities or maybe the new mindsets or the mindset mindset shifts um, that you think, you know, your, uh, your team needs to embrace or develop? Um, you know, are there any in there that maybe you would um, recommend that other brands should be thinking about as well?
2: yeah that's a great question so um we are we've actually been undertaking a mindset shift on my team over the last year and a half or so, and it's from i'm gonna um sanitize this and make it g rated rather than what it actually how it actually reads uh it goes it's from um getting stuff done to making stuff happen uh and in fact, on my wall in of my office, I have in huge large bold cap letters make S asterisk, 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 asterisk happen. Uh, And so, and what that really is about is, um, you know, is being persistently, consistently creative and innovative in our thinking. Um, As my boss says to me, making our own weather. Uh, And so, being disruptive and as comms people uh, with programs and messaging. Uh, A couple, an example, we've done in the last year, Two comms hack weeks uh, with my team, where we bring in a significant cohort of my team globally, plus a significant representation from our internal partners, as well as our um, our external partners, our agency partners, etc., and have sp- spend several days in a row with external facilitators um, doing hacking. And so, this last one we did in uh, April this year we took a design thinking approach. Uh, we worked with, um, with the division of IDEO and with some facilitators from Stanford, uh, and we went through a two-day design thinking um, framework with them and workshop uh, on very specific topics related to how do we engage consumers with our brand, particularly millennial consumers and Gen Z consumers. And that was all about making stuff happen, right? Not being told, hey, this is what's gonna be happening in the business, go comms it. Instead. You know, saying what is our current circumstance, what what can we mine from that and make happen, uh, and I think that that has been super energizing for our team, uh, and it's created a sense of empowerment. Um, I think it's it's hard as well because they're also we're all we're always juggling the balance between getting stuff done and making stuff happen, um, but there's an enormous amount of energy on the latter, um, and that's you know that's how I'm trying to make sure our team is wired, uh, and that goes back to your earlier question about being you know consistently disruptive Mm
1: -hmm. that's great and it's it's a consistent theme here around go do things don't comms things i love turning that into a verb like that go comms it um what about your partner ecosystem and without naming any names obviously um you know what are some of the either the frustrations you have with the agencies you work with today or capabilities you would like to see them develop to better partner with you in the future
2: you know, we, we have very strong um, partner relationships. We have an agency of record, a very a longstanding and large agency of record relationship that's been very helpful for us. Uh, and that team has, you know, they're really partners. And they, you know, they've moved in lockstep with us, uh, often pushing us, sometimes us pushing them. But it, it works well. It's never perfect. It's never. There's always seams between the, the, the client and the agency. Uh, and then we also engage a number of specialized um, partners or agencies, whether it's for fashion or for our charity-related work or what have you. And so I feel like we have a, a, a really um, a strong roster of partners with whom we work uh, who are also very invested in our mission and, um, and where you know we have a lot of transparency back and forth. Again, never perfect, but I, I feel like we're in a, a pretty good place.
1: So as you think about keeping on top of trends and things like that, um, obviously the Holmes Report is the number one place you go. um, Besides the Holmes Report, where else do you go for industry, you know, comms, marketing, news, things like that?
2: Um, I do, of course, engage the Holmes Report, um, and that's not just a shameless plug. Um, You know, I I get a lot of um, benefit from some of the – the peer organizations or groups that I'm a part of. So I'm I'm very fortunate to be uh, on the Board of Advisors of the USC uh, Annenberg Center for Public Relations, which is chaired by Fred Cook, which is awesome. Um, I'm part of the Communications 50. And so I have regular uh, one-on-one peer-to-peer calls, which is really useful. It's been great. I'm part of PAGE. I'm part of the seminar. Uh, And then I try to talk to just my my own informal network of, of peers. That's usually the best way that, I, um, that I'm that i able to tap into uh, things I might not be thinking about. Um, and then, you know, you have to be a, a, a consumer of, of information. Uh, you know, obviously all of us are, are inundated with information and to the point of being sometimes numbed by it. But um, it's, it's super important to – I'm curious. You know, we're all, we should all be curious by nature if we're in this role, uh, and I'm no different than that. And so I'm always interested to understand – what people are doing and what great companies are doing and not to be, um, not to be, um, not to have too much pride, right? You know, there's there's more we do wrong than right. There's more we don't understand than we do understand in my company and in my team. And so to have enough self-awareness to realize that there's a lot to be learned from other people, I think is is a useful um, way to think about it.
1: That's great. Learning from other people. And then last question, Um, what about books? Are there any books that you would recommend to everybody in your company, would be the first question to read. And then the second would be to aspiring people who would like to follow in your footsteps in the industry.
2: I don't, I, I don't have any specific books. It's like, there, is there a single source of truth that someone uh, would go to? I, I don't have any specific recommendations. I just think, um, I think it's really important to be um, almost insatiably curious um, and to seek out knowledge, whether it's in a book or from a person or from an experience. Uh, I, I'm every Every day in my role, I'm reminded of how little I know, it, it, truly. you know, I sit in meetings and I kind of scratch my head and go through the old imposter syndrome and try to make it look like I know what I'm doing. Um, and I just think that being just always wanting to understand more uh, and to never sit back and say yeah I got this is uh, is I think the best quote-unquote advice I would give somebody
1: so insatiable curiosity and a a lot of humility there as we as we wrap up from somebody who's obviously being very successful in the current, Communications landscape and the current business um, and societal landscape. So, Dan, thank you very much for your time. Um, we appreciate it. And I'm sure that our readers are going to really enjoy um, hearing your insights.
2: Great. Thank you very much,
0: guys. Thank you for listening to Frictionless Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to check out Paul's best selling book, Friction Fatigue What the Failure of Advertising Means for Future Focused Brands. In Friction Fatigue, Paul explains to readers why advertising is broken and provides a frictionless marketing framework to help build your brand in an era where advertising is no longer the answer. You'll learn how to protect your business against competitors and lead the pack with fresh marketing strategies that will help you prepare for a future where the consumer rules. Friction Fatigue is now available on Amazon and as a book on tape on audible.com. Thanks again for listening.